Chill again podcast. I am your host, Melanie Charles. And I'm your co-host, Uni Mojica, aka Uni Mo. <laughs> yeah, we back at it. Again. I'm sorry, but I feel like we about to, we're getting in a cute little stride with this. I'm feeling very cute right now. I don't know about you, Uni. Yes, I need this. First of all, I need this in my life and I need you in my life. Oh, Uni, I need <laughs> you in my life too. I don't know for those of you who are listening I don't know if you can feel how much I love me some uni I don't know if y'all know you know I think we always talked about this since episode one how beautiful it is to have you know bonds between women in in the industry and how special it is and every day I'm just so grateful like uni you being like you make me want to be a better person like I'll be talking to you sometimes and I'll be like damn like I gotta be better (laughs) so thank you for that oh my god well you do this you do the same for me are you kidding me especially with the way you present yourself unapologetically and how you show up as a friend and how you show up as an artist it's inspiring and it keeps me going because you know me I, I work I work I work and wear many hats you, you wear so, all the hats. You I like a, a hat, hat store. <laughs> Damn hat store. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, oh God, I just want to wear one goddamn hat, but I got to keep going. I got to keep, keep going. pushing. Yeah. So, well, but bes- for, for the people. For the people. And, <laughs> and the people appreciate you. Besides, like, well, before we get into the work stuff and all that stuff, what, what did you do for fun this week? Like, were you watching anything cool? Like, what was going on for you? Word, yeah. So, watch it on my downtime, mm-hmm. on my watch time. Sometimes I like to be a little bit of a masochist and watch, like, true crime. <gasps> I love true crime. <laughs> There's this thing that there's this show on Netflix called I Survived a Crime. That's crazy. And Ooh. then I started to watch um uh the Scientology Ooh, series. the Leah Remini? The Leah Remini. Yeah, I always yes. I always end up g- gravitating towards that. And yeah. then I've watched have you been seeing the Untold series on Netflix? Yes, the one the one about the the the, the, the football player one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everybody's talking about that. That's like hot topic right now. Ooh, yeah. And I honestly, part of me don't like what the what the person on the other side did was very wrong. And I feel like she was like very like unapologetic about it. Yeah, was the, what I think right? they went through the uh, the feeling sorry, but kind of we we saw the other side of it. Right, but. It was just too much. Like, you literally yeah. ruined someone's life. 
But you know, when you look at a lot of these true crime, these people be doing some creative stuff, bruh. People be do be going Living above and beyond. Lot. And then the and then the part where Dr. Phil was <laughs> where they showed the Dr. Phil clip and then he had to go around the corner to make the the secret voice. I was dead. I was like, no, Dr. Phil did not make her record. <laughs> funny to me i don't know that was, <laughs> the me was like that is funny but then i don't remember some youtuber was like well we better give her 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 medals because she's a great at voice so where's the academy award but <laughs> if you haven't seen it it's basically if y'all haven't seen this this untold um episode apparently this um star fo- football player star football player Yes, Matai Teo, who played for Notre Dame, was catfished Mm -hmm. um, into being in in a a relationship. relationship. And then it blew up in his face, and and apparently he thought that his partner died, and then they found out that this person doesn't, this alleged girlfriend doesn't exist. So the story just goes further (sighs) and deeper into that, and it's it's crazy. And he was a Vic unfortunately he was a vic but you know something that's interesting a friend of mine said and we could maybe this could be another fun topic about like religion obedience and how that connects to naivete because mm. the dad kept saying how Manti was such a good boy and he did everything he was supposed to do but it seems like because of that he kind of didn't develop enough discernment yeah that's the exact word discernment you know, but he's Just such saying. a, he just did a YouTube post, like an Instagram post like last week. And I was like, wow, this boy is such a sweet boy. He was just like, I'm just so happy that people were able to relate. And I hope people are feeling inspired to like push through. And I have no malice. Like, God bless my Tateo. I hope mm-hmm. he gets everything yes. in his life that he deserves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Well, 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 what about you? What you been watching? Um, let me see. I don't know. I feel like I'm always watching something. Um, hmm. well, today I I was watching this thing on Hulu about teachers who sort of groom students. It's kind of dark. I don't know why we watch all these dark things, (laughs) but it's a documentary series about male teachers and how they take advantage of of teenage girls and how much of of an issue that is, how it really takes like nine out of 10 girls are sort of sexually um, taken advantage advantage of in their teenage years for some reason i was very lucky god protected me i i didn't really go through any of those kinds of issues during my schooling you know Mm -hmm. um so i'm grateful to that but so i think sometimes because i haven't had that issue i'm a little bit uh disconnected to the issue because i've never experienced it firsthand so something Mm. that i've always that i really want to work on now is having more compassion to my fellow sisters who have been victimized in that way so Mm. i'm a work Mm -hmm. in progress you know what i'm saying one day at a time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i hear you i hear you on that when you're when it's not your experience it's it's hard to um speak to that experience and be aware of it yeah. Uh, I've had some instances where, you know, there's been a little line stepping, but, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully my parents, you know, really um, were a part of my journey heavily. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. lines were drawn. And when right. 
things happen. It was just like, ooh, pivot the other way. That's it. Right, mm. right. My mom, too, was right. She was right there in the piano listening. Yeah. <laughs> what you going to do? Parenting. Parenting. That's parenting. Serious. Shout out to parents, Shout man. It's hard. Parents. Yeah. Well, other than that, this, this weekend, this past weekend, I did um, have the opportunity to perform with my brother. So that was dope. Oh, that's what's up. Mm-hmm. You guys did, um, it was at... Public, Public records, again, right? yeah, nice. we did. We're we're close to finishing out our uh, residency there with um, our group Sonic Messengers. I love Sonic Messengers. It's such it's such a good time every time. It's, it's like so we good. rage. It's like you could dance. There's the jazz in it. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's all the elements. I'd say the foundation of it is definitely um, house and techno. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But. Um, we get in, we bring in a lot of different elements from R and B, hip hop, jazz. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of improvisation that's there. You play your horn, by the way, y'all. You need takes out the sax, and she be singing, and your bro be taking out his trumpet sometimes too, right? Yeah, when he's yeah. able to bring his trumpet, he's there, and we do different horn lines, and sometimes we quote melodies or we improvise. Mm-hmm. Um, we play backgrounds, like a lot of times in. Mm-hmm. Um, on the bandstand with jazz, you'll mm-hmm. you'll play backgrounds over solo. Yep. So it's a lot mm-hmm. of it's a lot of that. Oh, and I saw this week you had Chanel, right? Yeah, and Chanel Yay. has been joining us a lot. Oh, I love Chanel. Ooh. Her vocals have been at addition Ooh. that addition is incredible. She also adds the element of just creating new um new lyrics in the moment. I love that. Which is oh my God. I <laughs> it's love an that. experience. It is. And I love that she's like diving into that side. She's not just trying to be a, your regular little jazz singer singing in the boring dry jazz club all the time. You know what I mean? She's like expanding and like trying different things. So I love that. Shout out to Chanel. We love we love us some Chanel here at the Make yes. Jazz Really Good Podcast. Yes. Cool. Um, well, I just got back in town. I was in California um, for a few weeks. Um, I had to cut my trip early, but that's all right. I'm so happy to be home and get back on my workout stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is our third, our sec, our second episode remotely. Our last episode was the festival season. And a lot of people check that out. Thank you guys for listening. Insert yeah. applause. Applause to everybody. And y'all love this so much. <laughs> woo, woo. We, y'all love this so much. We realized that we got to do festival season part two and get more in depth and really touch a little bit, go into a little bit more details about stuff. So that's what we're going to talk about this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you don't mind, Uni, I would love to start with talking about, you know, what festival season represents in the life of a jazz musician. Um, ever since I could remember, I knew that like festival season was the time where musicians were going to finally really be able to make a chunk of money in a short period of time. You know, if you're lucky, of course, you're working year round. But during those summer months is when you really get to showcase what you've been working on. Um, and it also, I realized that musicians really record before the pandemic would record music just 
to perform at the festival. So it was just mm-hmm. like it was your calling card for these gigs. Um, but since the pandemic, I feel like all of our peers and you can tell me if you noticed this too, Uni, have been writing from from a place purely of creativity, of speaking about our experiences as black and brown, male, female, whatever we are, just speaking about our experiences more so than just, let me just record some sounds. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a really beautiful thing to see during festival season, what people have been working on. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. when you go through something, which we've all gone, we've all gone through this pandemic, we've all gone through um this second wave of civil rights of civil rights movement also known as um, black lives matter movement mm-hmm. um and between everything that's been happening in our country mm-hmm. around and outside of that and the effects of that and and the fact that it hasn't been stopping and mm-hmm. all of this art has been created and music has been created as a result of that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot of times the beauty is in the dirt, you know? Yeah. And I think also in stopping, the beauty is in stopping because, you know, mm-hmm. I, that I pause, feel like that, that pause, we really needed that, mm-hmm. you know? Because when you're just going, going, gigging, gigging, throwing stuff on record just to, for the case of making a record, it's so uninspired, you mm-hmm. know? But when we, when we were forced to sit down down i just feel like we all were able to tap into something and also we were able to connect with what the beauty of jazz which i think is not only improvisation and um high level of technicality i think it's also i always say this it's like a broken record but i think it's also the development of technology you know and i think about like herbie always about like how he really like opened up the sound by his use of synths and the roads and all that. And even mm-hmm. Miles, how he really, that moment he got close to the mic like that, the way he used that technology yeah, of the mic. as a totally, distortion. With you his know, mute. with mm-hmm. his mute, it totally transformed the way we've listened to jazz. So I think during the pandemic, every musician had to learn how to record themselves at the house, okay? That's a fact. <laughs> Everybody got them a little Everybody interface. got a mic. Everybody got an interface. Everybody learned Ableton. Everybody- <laughs> you know? <laughs> but that affects the way the music comes out, which is really yeah. exciting. Mm-hmm. You know? There's so more embrace. Yeah, there's more embracing of of electron of electronics incorporated into into the music again. Yes, because of because of the fact that people had to people were composing at home and yeah. couldn't um, at first couldn't experiment with bringing it bringing their music to a rehearsal like pen to paper right put the music on the on the music stand and then everybody just hits it right and experiments with it several different ways now it's like oh I'm gonna send you this track oh I'm gonna send you this um, idea. Whether it's a voice note or it's it's from um, what's the music software called? Where um, the way it transcribes the music down for you? Yeah. Um, or yes, yes. Jesus Lord have mercy. I know. Anyways, we know what that is. We know what it is. Yes, I mean, I love where you where you're going with this. Another thing that I can't help but to think about is how now. 
you can send, you can, it opens up opportunities to collaborate more than ever. Abs, and, yes. And that remote also, collaboration. Remote collaboration, which also means that during festival season, you saw a lot of super groups. You saw a lot of, like, this cat from Atlanta, this cat from from the Bay, this cat from France is playing with Micaiah McRaven at Newport. Like, how did that happen? Mm, well, now mm-hmm. we're not um, separated by distance or space anymore. We can rehearse from halfway across the world now. Yes. Um, so that's and also really exciting. There were also a lot of conversations that were being had. Everything, with, there were Zoom calls, there were Zoom conferences, yes. there were public live Zoom zoom meetings that people were having and so a lot of some sometimes you would see uh, organizations bringing together artists yes and facilitating the conversation yeah so then that that was a connector there so people i imagine stayed in touch yeah after the conversation yes yes uh one thing i i can remember i did um a panel with Nubaya Garcia and Nate Shinnan, actually, at, which festival was that? North Sea Jazz Fest. Um, And I've always been a huge fan of Nubaya Garcia. Shout out to Nubaya. We have to get her as a guest one day on the show. I'm a big fan of her. (laughs) Yeah. You guys are definitely kindred souls, for sure. When I first heard her, I didn't hear her live, but I heard recordings. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. Yeah. She... She kind of speaks my language. She really does. <laughs> and she's like, she's such a like star. Like she's so poised and kind when you actually get to meet her. Very graceful. Um, and I think Nate wanted to have a panel with her talking about like the evolution of jazz. And she was like, yeah, I can do that. But I'm really interested in like opening it up and having conversation with someone else. And so they invited me in. And I was like, you know what? She a real one for that. So we, we just were able to talk about our diaspora and her her lineage of being from the islands um of way of the uk and myself wow yes so it got even more interesting than just oh evolution of jazz you know we went even deeper by talking Mm -hmm. about the roots of it all so shout out to nation and i think that the the conversation will be published at some point but that's just another example of during festival season it really is a time to connect with one another which is really beautiful yeah, no, I wanted to ask you, what was your first, what was your first experience um, as a young musician at a jazz festival? Mm. Like what? That's a very, that's interesting. Well, you know, I was very lucky being born and raised in Brooklyn. I did, I was always part of like, like I remember they used to have um, a jazz festival at Medgar Evers College. What? Yes. So I have a photo of me with my afro and like my little brother was playing in Soils Minor that I went to the new school with. And I think it was Axel at the time. So I was very lucky to have sort of been brought up in those sort of like indie smaller festivals. I always remember fondly of jazz culture in that way. Yeah. Um, my 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 um experience is is kind of similar to that where mm. Hartford Jazz Festival and Paul Brown Monday Night Jazz Festival were some of my first and Litchfield Jazz Festival those were like the Connecticut right 
jazz festivals that were around in the summertime. And Paul Brown had a very big presence in Hartford. He's a bass Mm. player and was also connected to Jackie McLean. But he Mm. created this festival years ago and he would bring like Dexter Gordon and Count Basie and Dizzy Gillespie, all these people. So it already had that history and lineage. So Mm. that was always something to look forward to. And it was free. Yeah. And then... Um, being a part of the Litchfield Jazz Camp as well that was connected to Jazz Festival. That's another thing that some jazz festivals have is that education component. Yes. Where there's a camp connected to it. Yes. And Litchfield Jazz Festival was that for me. And that camp changed my life. And that's actually where I met your brother. Yes. How, we, how you and I had that through line to become friends. Yes, which is crazy that I know you because you, in my mind, when I was young, you were my brother's friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now I stole you away from him. I don't even think you don't really talk like that anymore. Uh, <laughs> but Litchfield was really important. And I don't know, yes. for, I don't know why I just, I didn't end up in Litchfield. Like all my friends went, went to Litchfield. Like everyone that it's it was so, from It always York. blew my mind. I'm like, how come you're not, at, when I made I was like, how come she didn't go to the camp? I don't know. I mean, was there like a vocal presence really at Litchfield? Or was it more instrumental? There was. It was more instrumental, Damn. but there was there was vocals there. I don't know. But it how wasn't I like that. prevalent, right? As prevalent as as the instrumentalists, which is, was always a problem. Well, that's always been a problem in jazz. Period. You mm-hmm. know, just sort mm-hmm. of like the the vocal presence is always the last minute thing. But like, also Jonathan Michelle, my bass player, also went to Litchfield and now teaches. I met him right? there too. Crazy. Yeah, I met a lot of a, a lot of like forever friendships have come out out of that camp. I love and, that. You know, so, that's why jazz festivals have a really special place in my heart. First experience mm. of hearing like Sonny Rollins too and mm. Eartha Kitt. Mm-hmm. That was one of my first. Jazz you heard festivals. Eartha Kitt live? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Uni. That was dope. Dave Brubeck too. They had a lot of really great, really great jazz musicians. I, I think I ran into, I don't know where I ran into Madison McFerrin a few weeks ago. And she was talking oh, about... Madison. Yeah. She was talking about how she realized that she's a she was a festival baby. Because she would, like, always be, like, with her dad in these festivals. And she remembered, like, running around and, like, talking to people and going to all the food stands and, like, yeah. going to all the stages. And just how, like, that was, like, her happy place. And it felt really natural for her. That's you know, beautiful. You summer fest, summer jazz festivals are really special for that because it's Mm -hmm. not just the music it's also the food and the Mm -hmm. vendors and i would always look forward arnold hartford jazz festival was big on that there would all the vendors you'd see all the kente cloths and jewelry and candles and i love that why is that always the thing on on the festivals they always got the kente cloth with the jewelry (laughs) and then the 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 chicken stand the jerk jerk Where's that, where's that jazz festival starter kit? <laughs> right. Right. It's so good. Um, oh, my God. But actually, we just finished, I guess, because it was, I feel bad. Yesterday was Labor Day, right? Yeah. And that's sort of like a festival energy where, mm-hmm. like, every year people go and they celebrate and they show off where they're from. Sadly, I feel like I remember, I feel like I heard a lot of people saying that, 
the way that the culture was so potent and how it was really an opportunity for Caribbeans to celebrate, that energy has kind of faded in New York City. Mm. Um, so while in one sense, I feel like jazz is really booming in live music, there's other aspects of you know, the cultural aesthetic of our different cities that are sort of suffering. Um, so hopefully next year we'll see a resurgence of, you know, the Caribbean presence and, and, and their festival type of energy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm right on Flatbush, so it wasn't. Did you as, notice anything? It wasn't as vibrant as it usually. The, usually people are partying out in the streets all night, yeah. all weekend. All and weekend. And it was, it was a little low on that. It was still, it was still lit. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But um, it wasn't, I didn't see as many people out as I have in the past. Yeah. And, which was a little bit like, yeah. I think that would also be an interesting episode to talk about, about like the culture of like Juve and like Etienne Charles is huge on carnival culture. Yes. He would be a He's great got a whole album on carnival. Yes. yes. Okay, I'm gonna make that note. We gotta have Etienne yeah. up in here. Shout out to our bro Etienne. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, well, I have this question for you, Uni. Yeah. And I hope you're gonna keep it real. Okay, so, I'll try. <laughs> As someone who is not only an artist, but also involved in curation and producing, you know, what does someone in your position look for when booking artists to perform in festivals and venues? It's all the same thing. So what do you look for? Mm. That's a great question. That's a question I could definitely be honest about, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it's, it's kind of just a broader question in general. It's the same, if not similar, criteria as if it's just a, a, a venue or organization that presents music on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really differentiate because you, are, you right. do look at like what projects people... You look for a project. Yeah. That's always like okay. the standard language. Like, oh, what's your project? What's your mm, next look, project? Let me take you notes know? down too. <laughs> looking for projects. I hope y'all are taking notes, y'all, because we get we're dropping knowledge for you. If you want to be in these festivals next year, that's what you need to do. Yeah, okay. it's not always about like it's not always about oh your album. What album do you have coming out? What's your next mm. record? It's more of it's more of the bigger picture of your of the project. It doesn't have mm. to necessarily be. You don't now you don't necessarily have to have an album attached to it like yes that's great but mm. if you have a, a project that tells a story that tells mm. your your own story or some or story of your culture or mm-hmm. it, it, literally it could be anything your experience as as you are in mm-hmm. some form or capacity that's mm. like really what grabs people's attention okay. when it comes to programming what else? Um, then there's also this one's not as much as my favorite is like the all star lineup. That, mm, talk about it. Talk about it. <laughs> that's for me. Like yes, that's yay. All star is great. Um, for my taste in particular, I just I don't like the Frankenstein the concept of a Frankenstein band. What's that I like, mean? I never heard that expression. Oh, I made I made that up myself. <laughs> what's what's that? Because <laughs> Frankenstein is. Uh, the story of Frankenstein is that uh, Dr. Frankenstein brought this guy to life by sewing together random parts of mm. other people. 
so like that's why I call it like oh it's a Frankenstein band because these people don't necessarily always play together and have a unit and a sound okay so but people but we do call that a super band and a super right? band yes so they but, yes, but some, super sometimes a super band is great and sometimes a super band is not yeah because you don't there's also dynamics of personality some people don't like each other some people mm-hmm. get along and they're just doing the gig because you know they the know check. that the check and they know that this person can play so like whatever they'll just get through it and it's all right. good right we'll make the music we'll make we'll get our money and we'll tour blase blase Okay, so the projects, the all-star component, what yes. else are y'all looking, looking that, at? That, the yeah, all-star components are attractive. Sometimes there's um, organizations that tour that already have a package together. Like if a, mm. if a band or a group is already on the move and mm. is touring and it's a stop mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. easy to plug them in into mm. the festival. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. like a lot of times the agent will be like oh hey we're we have this tour these dates are available for this mm-hmm. artist like they're it's already packaged because a lot of times when you're booking when you're booking people mm-hmm. you just want it to be seamless and easy because if you have a team together or an agent that already has your tech information and your um your photos and your bio like it, you don't have to constantly press for that information. Like they'll already, yeah. they'll, right. they'll already be there. So yeah. it'll take. It's less of a worry because because a lot cause sometimes festivals. Um, everybody works on a different timeline. Some people are rushing to yes. meet deadlines right away, and it's like, oh, we need this right now. We need this right yeah. now. Yeah. Or like it's well in advance that mm. you know there's time to put that together. Yeah. Um. I feel like the package of something already like a well-oiled machine, I think you, I, I, I could see like those acts um, when I went this year, especially because um, I did so many this year, I could see the same people and I know why they're always working yeah. is because it's a really well-oiled machine. Exactly. And festivals are such a big operation. Ain't nobody got time for messy messiness. It's too much money, which is another question I wanted to ask you is where do these festivals find the the money to put these things on? I mean, I guess it's like government support or like private investors. Like- it's a lot of times it's grants, sponsorship, donations. A lot of these um, festivals or organizations, they're nonprofit. Most mm-hmm. of most of these festivals, I don't really know of a jazz festival in particular that's that's for profit. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The for-profit festivals, I'm sure, are are festivals that are different genres, like mm-hmm. festivals like um, I don't know, Made in America, or okay. you know, the bigger the bigger ones with the bigger name with the with the pop names, mm-hmm. pop, hip hop. Those I, I'm sure are probably for profit, but in this case, for jazz festivals, most of them are nonprofit organizations. Overseas, I can't really speak to, but a lot of times, on both sides, whether it's for profit or nonprofit, sponsorship is the biggest piece. Mm-hmm. Ads, um, mm-hmm. people pay for ads, then mm-hmm. and ticket sales. Mm-hmm. Ticket sales are a big piece as well. Mm-hmm. So that's another choice. That's another consideration that. Um, these festival bookers are, are looking at mm-hmm. is you might see them show up to your gig. They're seeing how many people are in the room. Like, does this person, 
does this artist are they able to sell the room so that's have a, that's another big piece if you have an audience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i know a lot of people ask like oh how come this person's always getting the, these gigs it's right. like def- different aspects to those reasons there's many reasons it's not just one it could be uh they know the right they just know the right people and have really have the relationship yeah it could be they they're just really really organized yeah and they're while the musical quality might not be as high as someone else, right. they know that that they're going to deliver and people right. are going to show up. Right. I mean, th- th- that's why I kind of was plotting with these kinds of questions, because that is something that I always found really unfortunate is that mm-hmm. if for some reason you don't have that likability factor to your to your music, to your appearance or to what to these institutions it could very well mean that you are not really getting these opportunities Mm -hmm. so there is a bit of pandering or sort of like performativity whether it's like oh pick me i'm great at this or even I'm the anti, like whatever it is, you gotta have to like lean into. You gotta that. lean, yeah. You gotta lean into the parts of your personality that people connect to, or yeah, and dis- that are or honest. disconnect to that or may dis- not agree with, right? And but they're gonna lean- go see out of curiosity or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. just lean mm-hmm. into yourself as much as you mm-hmm. possibly can, and mm-hmm. and and find that spark that yeah. really ignites that. And there was one thing I was going to. say. Say, but I, for, I forgot. I'm what sorry. I feel like that? I keep cutting you off. You know? No, you're not cutting me off. I just well, I mean, I think another thing that really, you know, I, I, I think as we talk about the beautiful things about festivals, I think it's important to talk about, like, for me, like the things that I wish I knew, you know, mm-hmm. like before oh, embarking. I do yes. remember what I was going to say. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. This this part of our conversation, I strongly urge musicians to just take a really hard look at yourself in the mirror Mm. you know i know like in in passing you might be like oh i would book me of course Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. like you got to be really honest and real with yourself like Mm -hmm. brutally honest Mm -hmm. and and say like what are what's gonna what what's attractive what are the most attractive parts of my music and what Mm -hmm. are what's not yeah yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. it, that's a different answer for everybody. Yeah. You know, and in and if you don't want to change anything, that's that's fine. That's that's mm-hmm. your own prerogative. But mm-hmm. try not to get. I think the biggest thing that hurts people sometimes is being um, becoming disgruntled and jaded, yeah. because that attitude can kind of show up um, on the bandstand. That attitude mm-hmm. can show up in relationships mm-hmm. that you're mm-hmm. trying to maintain and, and conversations. And then everybody talks too. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. kind of got to be careful about what you say. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of politics. There's a lot of politics. And I know it's not, I know it's not fun and I know it's an annoying as hell and extremely frustrating because at the end of the day people just want to play their music and yeah. want to perform so yeah. i for me i have a really soft spot for for artists and musicians because because i am one and I'm a, mm-hmm. i consider myself a part of the community yeah and like i always try to i don't like to dictate to artists what they should and shouldn't be playing or you know 
I, I just I just understand enough enough. I've been in enough conversations in in the back room to know like how people really really feel, and it's it's hard. It's not easy. It's hard. It's not easy. And you know, when it comes to you making being part of a lot of these decision making, you are someone that is like into the culture and actually is a is a musician but unfortunately when it comes to booking and you know even the record labels half of these people don't even know what's popping <laughs> okay these people have no idea like what is really going on um and they're they're going on cues of like what's just what's popular what are you hearing a lot about who's getting reviews in the newspaper in the in in the jazz times and all these jazz newspapers and when you lift the veil we see we know that it's a lot of those things are just pr everyone has their little pr that gets them placed in these newspapers and these articles which means that the festivals are going to be paying attention because they don't you know what i mean and then so if you are the hot person in all the jazz papers you just might have the opportunity to book all of these festivals so you know it's that a and r role really it's like are you gonna if you're if you're in the position to be a booker are you making the effort to like be in the community and um check people out have conversations like one-on-one can you sit next to someone and like turn the light on when they're when they're down like can you are you can you have real conversations with people yeah in a real genuine way because that's where the the relationships come and the understanding and and you may get put on to somebody that you may not have been aware of if you're just looking on social media or you're like on soundcloud or yeah that's well soundcloud's not really a space where jazz lives i don't think but um but yeah that's i don't know i i feel like I, I have a little bit of jadedness, even though this summer I've been blessed. I don't even think jadedness is a word. <laughs> but even this summer I've been blessed to perform in a lot of festivals. Mm-hmm. I still see the, the like the politics that make it really... There's a huge gap. And um, and how the politics fall into place. And like, I, like you know, the truth is, and I'm going to be honest, is that like an artist in my position makes no money during festival season like i'm in the stage of my career where i'm still like proving my position you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like we'll give you this stage at this festival but we got to see how many people come so that next year you'll get a bigger stage and more money it's a lot of pressure it's a lot of pressure. It's a heck of a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And like, you know, I, I, I'm very comfortable with being real about, because I don't think people, people want to act like, oh, I'm popping, I'm performing, I'm doing all this. Like, nah, a lo- most people are struggling. A lot because of people are Because you have to act to like you're popping. You have to, you have to fake the funk. You got to fake the Someone's going to be out here like, nah, I got no, I'm like, yeah, I got all these gigs on my calendar, but guess what? It doesn't really pay that much. It don't pay that guess much. Guess what? Like, I'm paying for rehearsal time. I'm paying yes. I'm paying for my Uber. I'm paying for like for flights. I'm paying Look, for my flight. I these, missed my flight by accident. So now right. I gotta come out of pocket for this. And these festivals, they'll pay you a lump sum, let's say mm-hmm. three thousand, four thousand, which is nothing, right? They're like, here's four thousand dollars. 
we want you to bring your whole band and fly them to Germany and we'll give you a hotel for the night before your show and the night of your show the next morning you gotta go four thousand dollars each flight ticket is a thousand dollars and if you want to have a trio yes europe that's the price of europe and and that's on the upper side people are talking about two thousand five hundred bruh like i have to pay my booking agent i have to pay my manager i have to pay my band i have to fly i have to buy the flight tickets i have to feed them there's a lot of moving pieces man and then and then people are like well if you want more money i don't know you gotta prove as if all our lives we ain't had to fight (laughs) as if we have been always been having to prove that we're killing or worthy so do you feel like that that is the case here in the states, in the in the city or the in states? New York, yeah. I mean, it depends. You know, like full disclosure, I'm not gonna say the amount, but like Summer Stage is one festival that booked me the summer that actually paid me my rate, what I what I wanted, for example. Mm-hmm. But I think because it's such a its position in New York is so like important. Like everyone goes to all the summer stages. I think they can afford to do that. I don't know. Um, but there are New York spaces where, like, or even Harlem stage too. Shout out to Harlem stage. It put me on. It wasn't, it's not, it wasn't a festival setting. Um, there are, so there are gaps where, where musicians are compensated properly, but mm-hmm. there are other spaces in New York where I don't think that's necessarily the case, but, but another thing is that if you're in New York and you have the opportunity to play, sometimes just being seen is more valuable than the dollar, which right. is so, I hate that. And it's, yeah, it's hard too, because then everyone's budgets are different. So right. that's also something like the ticket price is is not going to ever, depending on the venue that you're in, the ticket mm-hmm. price may not ever be enough to compensate a musician properly. Right. To like, to, if you were even if you were to fill the room, yeah, you know the venue may still lose money because they want to pay you proper, or the, or yeah. they're like, this is what we can do in order to, like, make some ends meet here. Yeah, so, yeah. So because they because th- there's overhead that a venue has, they gotta or keep the festi- lights festival. on, the electricity. Let me tell you something. A lot of the a lot of things that musicians don't understand is when a venue or a festival is um, under union contract. Mm. And what a union contract brings means that it's there's a labor union for the crew. So mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. Um, you have to pay union fees. You have to pay, like, if you go over time, you have to pay right. overtime for these, right. for, for these people that are working. And they are doing a lot of heavy lifting, They're doing a lot hard of work. work. They're yes. setting up the stage. They're setting up yeah. the sound. They're there at the end of the night. They're at the mm-hmm. end of the night, long, long hours it's true. It's true. to make the show go on. So when someone's late, yes, that's more money. And that's, that's another coming thing. out of people's pockets. So, like, being on time, man, y'all got to be on time for these sound checks, be on time for these gigs, because it shows that you don't, even even though, you know, things happen, life happens, happen. life be life in. Life <laughs> I get life-in. it. Mm-hmm. So, but when you don't show up on time, whether you're a side man or side person or the band leader, it it affects so many people. Yeah, that are investing yeah. there. There's so many people in, involved that are investing their time, their yeah. money, 
everything to make this show go on in addition to you as the as the musician and i'm not trying to make this a whole lecture i don't don't want to do that i don't want to make anyone feel bad but it's just just facts. when you know you know then then you take things and you take certain things into account and And you start stepping outside of yourself yeah and there's things that i think we all quote unquote know but we've been like ah it's not that serious but i think uni and i are here to tell you pals, friends, brothers and sisters, these things are real. Something mm-hmm. as small as being late. If you have a reputation and you're showing up late, ain't nobody got time to be wasting money because you, cause you're showing up late. I, I've done it in my life. You know what I mean? I've, I've yeah, fucked up. You know, like I said, life be life in. <laughs> life be life in. But honestly, we can't afford to be making them kind of mistakes. And that's where I always, at the end, when I complain about, oh, these people are always getting the opportunities. The reason why is because they always show up on time. Mm-hmm. They always sound good. And, and people can, can bet on them. Can, yeah. can, can they I mean, bet on you that you're going to deliver or not? It's a pet peeve of mine when people don't respect time, anyone's time. Yeah. It just shows yeah. a really a lack of like you like you, it feel it feels like you don't care about anybody but yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you, the impression that is given when you do when you are late. Yeah. But you know, another thing that I can't help but to think about yeah. when we talk about lateness <laughs> is like, like a ang- No, but you speak in facts, but like anxiety and organization oh. is a big factor. Mm-hmm. I must say when things aren't organized, if you're anxious and don't give yourself time to prepare because you just stuck in your anxiety, you can't even make a move and set your clothes the night before mm. or prepare or pack your gear bag the night before because you anxious or whatever, stressed, tired, depressed, you know, that is going to affect the way you show up. And even if you can show up, you know, we always talk about Lauren Hill, about how she's always late. I believe that she has like a lot. Apparently, that's not about I believe. Apparently, people in her camp say that she takes a lot of time getting ready. And we know that there's a lot of pressure around showing up and it. looking good for these shows. And like, if you, you know, if things aren't organized, you something's going to be lacking. So taking the time to work on our mental health you know another huge thing oh i'm so happy this came to mind is nurturing healthy habits during festival season Ooh, on the road yeah on the road bruh if you turning up every night after each show in the festival you, by the third show you ain't gonna be able to do the gig you can always tell who's the newbie on the road when they're like let's go out after the gig <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Half the time that's me, but still, but still, but I get it sometimes because you want to have that community afterwards. There's like, there's something that when you're on the bandstand and there's a feel, there's an adrenaline that happens, Mm -hmm. a high, a natural high that happens when you're performing Mm -hmm. that when you get off the bandstand, you don't know what to do with that energy. So that's a lot of times. Yeah. you got to let it out somehow and like, and some of the, some of the most important conversations, the most insightful, the most eye opening um, conversations I've had have been after, after these festivals hanging out. I I got to hang The hang is like really, really, really important. Um, You bring in another thing, another, that reminds me, some festivals have jam sessions. Yes. 
like Monterey Jazz Festival. They're known for having jam sessions at the hotel where everybody mm-hmm. stays at. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, Newport Jazz is one. Yep. Winter Jazz, that's like, I mean, but that's New York City. Every night oh, is yeah. a jam Every session. Is <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that's also really, really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the culture of recording um, festivals. A lot of festivals historically... It's like live at such and such festival, and it's like really yeah, important. Yeah, Montreux has a lot of um, mm-hmm. historical recordings mm-hmm, live mm-hmm. at Newport. I know we mentioned mm-hmm. Newport many times. Many times, because we love Newport here. Yes. We love Newport. It is the she, quintessential. Maybe, <laughs> Newport should sponsor us and make us a part of Newport. Hi, Newport. Newport what's <laughs> I did. Oh, in my research, I did find out that I that George Ween also created the new orleans jazz festival too yes they so they went to him because he because they saw what he was doing at newport and they were yep. like we want that here so shout out to george Wee, may he rest in peace mm-hmm. yep and that festival is known to have to it's while it's called a jazz festival it's known to include a lot of world music every genre of music it's mm-hmm. more of a music festival than it just is. jazz but it remains to i like how they keep the word jazz festival on there because it kind of pays homage to its origins. And I'm... Yeah, I mean, and you know, the trill, whole, the whole trill concept is that it's all jazz, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so whether it's hip hop, whether it's Afrobeat, whether it's salsa, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? The yep. jazz is in all of it. So I, lo- I, I agree with you. I love that they keep that in there because that you is know. the core. That is the beginning of it all. That's so bad. Um, well, um, I think we touched on some good stuff, some good topics today. Yeah. Um, thank you. To- <laughs> some info. <laughs> we, I know. I hope y'all found this episode to be educational, inspiring, maybe a little bit funny. I hope that, you know, this creates a space for musicians to, I really urge y'all, I think we're out of that era because I hated that time when people Which were just time? recording. Huh? Which era? I hated that era when people were just recording random songs just to put on a CD, just to book some gigs. I was like, uh, ain't nobody want to hear you play Dolphin Dance again? Like, oh my on, God. <laughs> so. I don't want to hear Stable Mates. <laughs> So I think we are officially in the era again where people are really like, I feel like we always talk about freedom now, sweet. You know what I mean? Like projects like that. Like, I think we're in that time where people are really recording stuff that is heartfelt. Concepts, projects, 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 heartfelt, like you said, collaborating, reaching out beyond our, our, our cities, our continents and, and finding something new and fresh. Y'all that is the trill mentality amen yes amen, <laughs> amen. <laughs> well you need i i've been loving our weekly chats i hope our listeners are enjoying it we ask you to please share this tell your friends turn on notifications so you can yes. know when we post a new episode like subscribe and please message us let us know what you want us want to hear us talk about you know we're going to be yeah. bringing on some guests in the future and mm-hmm. just having more conversations around our community mm-hmm. around you know making jazz trail again mm-hmm. and even some of the controversies and hot topics that we find ourselves having conversations with each other i think um while it wasn't too too much of hot topics going on here well 
baby. Well, there is one hot topic. What's that? Ismo dropped a new record this oh, week, right? Oh yes. Oh that oh that reminds yes. Mm. My brother Ace Mo just dropped a new album. It's called Wanna Play House. Mm. Uh, there's about six or seven tracks on there, and he's got some sampling going on. It is definitely how the foundation of house that he comes from. Uh, mm. Well, he is actually comes from jazz, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. I really loved. I will say I love. I felt like he made a statement with this record because you know a lot of. Um, a lot of popular artists like Beyonce and Drake are, and even Megan Thee Stallion, mm-hmm. are incorporating house and techno into their sound and yeah. into their music. So yeah. I know he didn't do this on purpose, but when mm-hmm. he, when he made the statement of want to play house, Ooh. ah, it kind of was like, oh, okay, a y'all want a double like entendre. Yes, there's mm-hmm. a little double entendre there. He did not do that intentionally, but... It's so good. It makes you move. And it was really special because um, this past weekend he dropped, he played some of the tracks in the club and the response was just off the chain. Everybody Dope. was bopping, moving, screaming, jumping around. And it was Dope. a vibe, which makes me want to ask you, um, mm. Mel, when you're, when you are performing live, the first time you perform a song mm. or off of your album or project that, that have never been played in front of an audience before. What is that feeling like? Like that? I love that feeling. I feel like that very first time is usually the best time I ever perform it because it's so fresh. It's so honest. No one's expecting anything. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I love that fresh feeling mm-hmm. of, of performing a new song. How about you? How do you feel about that? Yeah, <laughs> it, it. There's really no other feeling. It just it kind of fills it fills that that creativity cup. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. when you're. It makes all. Of, it's like the fruit of your labor. You're tasting yes. the fruit, and yes. you're seeing people. Because that's why we make music a lot of the times. Is yes to like as an outlet. But when we have our music heard and you see people's responses and you and you have that connection in the moment yeah it's just the realest thing yeah yeah it's it doesn't so beat that that's why we do what we do is for that real connection that in time in the moment connection mm-hmm. i'm grateful that we can do that with music amazing well now i think that's I, our time i think it's been beyond real Yes. Yes. But yeah, y'all like, like, subscribe, support, share the link. If you like it, share it with someone you're friends with. If you don't like it, share it with somebody you don't like, and (laughs) you know, ruin their day or make their day. day. Either one. Either one. Put us in somebody's ear and remember, whatever you do. Remember, Remember to make jazz trill again. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Peace.